Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. Now with the Stonewall, I'm excited to write some more. Yeah. Yeah. Have people been knocking on your doors? Um, kind of. Not not tons. I think that I have to kind of ride the momentum myself. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 671. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. I'm so excited to welcome back Archa Srivastav, the author of Families, Hair, and On the Go, three delightful board books in the We Are Little Feminists series. And We Are Little Feminists, Families, is the 2021 recipient of the Stonewall Book Awards, Mike Morgan and Larry Roman's Children's and Young Adult Literature Award. This is an award given annually to English-language works of exceptional merit for children or teens relating to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender experience, and the committee made history by selecting a board book as their winner. But not just any board book. This one, this whole series, is truly like nothing you've seen before. Exceptionally crafted, designed, and brought into this world to shine a light on and hold up a mirror for all families. All families. Please welcome my guest, Archa Srivastav, author of We Are Little Feminists, Families. Hi, I'm Archa Srivastav. My pronouns are she and her, and I am a children's book author, a diverse children's book expert, and an educator. Yay! Welcome back, Archa. I'm glad you're here. Thanks, Matthew. I'm so excited <laughs> to be back. <laughs> you're we're. I don't know that I've done an episode. I've I've done Archa. I've done 700 episodes of this podcast. Whoa! Amazing. I don't think I've ever done one where. I've interviewed someone about books coming out, and then we were like, let's do another interview because this book really got broke a lot of molds in a lot of different ways. <laughs> so I'm so glad to welcome you back to talk Amazing. about well, in more I feel detail. honored. I, I just to think it's right. To be here twice. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think that I'm... It, it's It's not out of character to me to be talking constantly about books that I love and these just happen to be a set of books the we are little feminist books families and on the go and hair happen to be books that I have shared and recommended over and over and since we last talked I read board books to a class of fourth graders Whoa. Like, how about that, people? I want to hear all about that. <laughs> we, I mean, like, the, I've read it to many other kids, of course, but but uh-huh. to bring it to that place of of books being for everybody, right? Uh, is, yeah, is definitely. An, I think an important thing to go. So before we go deeper, why don't you, if you don't mind, uh, introduce these the this set of board books um, for folks that haven't come across them yet, and then we'll dig deeper into uh, into all of it. Definitely. So I wrote the We Are a Little Feminists board book series, which consists of three books. Uh, it consists of a book called Families uh, that is featuring a wide range of diverse families across gender and sexuality, so diverse family constellations. And then there's a book called We Are a Little Feminists on the Go, which I co-wrote with Britt. Brooks at Graves Turner, and that book features kids with a wide range of abilities and disabilities. And then the last book in the series is called We Are Little Feminist Hair, which I also co-wrote with Brooke Turner, and that um, book features a wide range of races and ethnicities focusing on hair. These books are i mean they're board books so we only have what like maybe 10 spreads is that maybe a little bit more than that yeah something like that a good question i knew very well at one point one, <laughs> I don't two, right now. i'm counting right now one two three four <laughs> five six about seven it's okay yeah seven, seven spreads 14 pages if you will they're uh-huh. all photographs and um and if i read from families and i'm I'm going to try not to read the entire book, but it's very easy to read the entire book. But um, it, it, it reads, um, here we are. It reads, family is tall shoulders that I can climb, dance parties anytime, belly laughs we can share, silly faces without a care, all our love piled in a heap, a comfy place for me to sleep. I had to get that far because all our love piled in a heap. I might have even said that on our last time talking. I love that line. Oh, I love that line. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I And I think uh, for those who are just listening along and haven't seen the books, really the shining stars of these books are the families that we photographed to put in with each page to match this text. And they are amazing families that were so generous with their time and their their selves as they let us photograph them and that really is what makes the text come to life these photos as i just to drill down on that more these are not photos that were like some stock photos you found on getty images that you paid for the rights (laughs) to these are folks that are in that little feminist community correct which i should also back up and say I first was connected with Little Feminist because I was reached out by a publicist, maybe even by Brit herself, by the founder herself. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a book club for kids that centers diverse voices and challenging topics, 
And, um, you know, as many books do, delivers a, a book each month in the mail for different age levels, but also has really powerful, empowering topics inside. I, I think they're, they're, they're really exceptional um, book sets that you that, that, that the company sends out. And so when it, <laughs> when it came time to reveal that there were board books being made, I think... Archa, it goes without saying that I was really leaning in, wondering, well, I know the values of this company because I see them playing out through these these book boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, to know that these photos, to go back to it, they really are photos of the little feminist community, aren't they? Yeah, they are um, definitely photos that um, we spent a lot of time personally reaching out to people. I went down a lot of internet search rabbit holes and try to find people who would be willing to share their time and their photos with us and really show just as much diversity as one can fit into um, 14 pages, seven spreads here. And so, yeah, some of them are people who had subscribed to the company. Some are people that through a lot of online research I connected with. And some are people from... Um, just my own community of my friends and extended sort of family connections and um, also part of the community of some of the other people at Little Feminist. And so it's just this beautiful um, combination of people that we connected with. There's people in these books that you all really know. So they're like Mm -hmm. family albums. And I don't think it's going too far to say that. Yeah, no, definitely. It feels it feels really personal to me when I'm holding these books and looking at these people and I know so many of them and I feel really connected to the ones that maybe I had just met through this process of creating this book. And I feel so much gratitude to all of them for um, sharing themselves and their families in this way. And I really hope that they feel that this book or these books, plural, have done done them justice. Archa, I want to talk more about the um, deliberate, um, focused attention to representation in these books. But first, because we did tease this in the beginning of the conversation, I want to say on record congratulations for winning the Stonewall Book Award for We Are Little Feminist Families. I, I said off recording, but to have a board book, a book intended for our very youngest readers to look at, to chew, to read over and over and over, (laughs) to pick up, manipulate all the things that children first engaging with books do with board books. The Stonewall Committee chose this book above everything submitted. And what I, what I, why I'm making sure to emphasize what a big deal this is stonewall doesn't break down for picture books and middle grade and ya everything mm-hmm. is in the same set and part of that is because mm-hmm. we don't have a whole lot of queer literature being published we're starting to have more and that's wonderful but for now just getting recognition of what is being published and what authors are bringing these stories to readers is is deeply important and the fact that they chose a board book to lead to where that that main honor is mm-hmm. is I, I think uh, commendable by them, but also 
I feel like the book the the book has been commendable since the moment I saw it. So <laughs> good job team for reading the book and seeing what it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was such an honor to receive the award. It was shocking. I had I honestly did not I, I knew they were considering the book because they ask um you to submit copies if they are considering yeah. it for their for their award. Somebody and... on their committee has read whatever book, so they asked the publisher to submit, I guess, en- enough copies for everyone to read, right? Mm-hmm. For the yeah, whole committee, exactly. which is a for the whole committee. Committee of like, uh, I remember reading the names each year. It's only about mm-hmm. like eight or so that serve on the committee, if I'm if I remember right. Yeah, something eight or ten-ish people, yeah. It's um, pretty small, though. So it's a pretty small group, and I remember sending the books over to them, and I wrote, and I was just you know, honored that they even were paying attention. I yes. honestly had little expectation of anything coming of it. I was just like, great, more people who have connections in the world of literature are getting to know this book, and that in itself is important because my goal is for as many people to read this book as possible. Um and I and I hand wrote a little note to go with the book for the selection committee, kind of just sharing um, some some more context of the book because the book with intention is very simple, and it might be easy to gloss over a lot of the heart and thought that went into went into the book. Um, You're so, so humble. I, I don't think it's easy at all to gloss over the heart and the intent. I think it it's blaringly obvious and it's what makes it feel so right so i love that you're so humble about it but i'm i'm going to have to disagree with you and maybe i'm saying that because i'm so used to doing a deep dive analysis of books and i'm like most people don't read children's books especially 14 page children's books for babies that way but i guess they also are book people so they probably were doing that analysis but i wrote up this note and i was telling you know and i said in the note kind of just some context around why this book is so deeply meaningful to me personally um, as someone who is queer and I came into my queerness um, later in my life and this book to me is kind of that opportunity for children to see themselves outside of the boxes that so many of us have been placed in and feel limited by Um, and the kind of freedom of the book is that it doesn't label it doesn't um teach terminology, so to speak, around gender or sexuality. It's just showing happy, loving families um, living fully and happily in that diversity. And so, yeah, I, I shared that context with them. And I was like, great, okay, they maybe read the note, they hopefully read the book, and now more people know about it. And that's that. I will just keep doing what I'm doing and not think about them anymore. And that wasn't even an intentional oh, you know, don't think about it because you probably aren't going to get it. It was more just like, okay, yeah, that I, you know, they sent that and now it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And it's also, you, like you're saying, you, I mean, you, you you come from a company that sends out books for people to check out. So you do have to have that, um, whatever that word is, not disconnect, but being able to let it go, that we're going to send it mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. because it's a book and you read and review books too, you know that um, you make the book to express part of yourself and to engage with readers. But 
the ownership of that story and connection belongs to the reader. So there's only a so much you can do to help open those gates for the reader to connect. And that's 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 all books. We we can't we can't mm-hmm. make people read and like our books. That's the story's job and the personal connection, uh, which is why you know ideally, as much as it is difficult, you have to sort of be okay with people not connecting with the book because yeah because that's not every book is made for every single person <laughs> definitely yet, yeah and yet that's that's not at all what happened they saw and 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 loved and embraced this book and i'm i'm so grateful to you for writing it and for being where you were in life archa to be at this company to have the opportunity to write these books to be the person you are so that this book could be what it is i think that it's beautiful and if you feel comfortable sharing. I'd love to hear more about how you came into your queerness. I'm happy to share my own story as well, but you, because you mentioned it was later in life, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of connection to that. And so mm-hmm. if you're comfortable sharing, I'd love to hear, and I bet many of our listeners would love um, to, to hear themselves in your conversation too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that um, when I was when I was writing this book and just kind of seeing all these amazing, wonderful families that were just, you know, being families, the whole point of this book is joy. It's centered in joy and kind of like you mentioned earlier, each page is just exuding that joy. And in, in seeing that, um, I think the connection that came up for me personally there is that, as a child, I never saw any representation of queer families. And I, I didn't question that. I, you know, that's the norm, quote unquote, was to see, you know, this heteronormative standard. And I just assumed that, okay, that's, that's just how things are. And that's how I am. And that's how I'm going to assume and approach life. And so, I think that lack of representation really, I I wasn't necessarily searching for the representation. It's just the things that you can imagine are possible are limited by what you see around you. Right. And that was definitely the case for me. Right. Um, I didn't even know what, what I wasn't seeing. Um, And yeah. And so I think that really, and, and then I, obviously, as I got older, I met, queer people I knew people that I've known my whole life came out to me as queer etc and um and I was like okay that's awesome yay I'm glad you're living your life the way you want to live it and being your most authentic self and loving who you want to love and I thought all of those things were so wonderful and great um but even as an adult by that point um or you know as a teenager and then an adult I still was kind of like oh okay cool that's what how some people are living their life and I'm um, continuing to have this strong attachment to what, you know, at, at some subconscious level was the only option for me because that's all I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I think then by the time I kind of got to my um, late twenties, that's when I was really decided to really think deeply about what, it means to me to be in relationship with someone, to love someone, and realize that I really was limiting myself by just going with this assumption that, oh, I too want to fit into this 
heteronormative definition of what relationships are, what family is, what love is. Um, and, and it was, yeah, it was not necessarily some big dramatic moment. <laughs> it was more just this internal um, process that I'm sure had a lot of subtle internal shifts happen before there was a conscious decision to really just explore outside of what I had assumed about myself as this kind of freeing moment of deciding that I'm more than who I assumed I was and I, I can choose how I, how I live and who I love. And so, yeah, that, um, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely different than what mainstream media portrays. I'm, as, that's, yes, yes, <laughs> as yes, yes. Experience. Remember that uh, feeling of like, uh, I, I too had, you know, I, I had grown up in the church, so I heard certain messaging that way. I saw plenty of media communicating other things. And so even though I would say my friend groups, I think most ironically, I know I had queer friends and I absolutely Mm -hmm. know I had queer accepting friends. And Mm -hmm. yet I, I think I even limited myself from accepting that or believing that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is so sad, but it's just, that's my live truth. That's that's yeah. where it is. And those people are still in the world and I can still reach out to them and some of them and I have stayed connected on social and you mm-hmm. have sort of those beautiful moments of, oh, no wonder we were always so connected because you really saw me and mm-hmm. I really loved that you saw me and I saw you. I just didn't know that that's what was going on at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And as... Um, no, that 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 to walk through that as an adult and realize I, I, I get to choose, and that, you know, media or uh, folks in my life that were influencing me were 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 making me feel like the the world fit into, you know, this tight plastic wrapping, but really it's much bigger than that. We just haven't seen beyond that wrapping. Um, it was really important for me as well. So when I look at this book, I also see when I look at families, when I look at all three of the books, I also see what other beautiful ways my life could have gone. I have a wonderful, beautiful life right now. and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for it. But I also count it now a blessing to know, look at all of these other lives I could have had that also would have been good. Mm-hmm. So I feel, again, so blessed to have ended up where I am because not a, a, a great number of people do not. But also to arrive as an adult and realize, oh, you mean we don't have to have like a great big coming out party and like <laughs> email everyone and like announce it in places that it's okay to just sort of be um, is a is a wild thing. But I think it's also indicative of probably that that the time that you and I grew up, Archer, that 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 queer people were expected to announce to everyone else that they were queer. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's what they were expected to do. That was performative. And that's how I'm glad that that you and I both and others Mm -hmm. are able to shed that expectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that people just have infinitely different experiences with their queerness. And that's kind of 
what I love about the word queer, which I know different people feel a different way about it, but I'm that a it really pro queer person in terms of using the language and also in terms of my community. But, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I understand also as I'm using that that there are some people that are not. There are people in in our queer community who are not comfortable with that word, and I, I understand right. that too. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no worries. And I think that it's just such a beautiful umbrella term of really just not, you know, not straight. Look, there's infinite other options that can fall under that and not limiting yourself to that. And I think that that... Um, and in that, you know, people have really different experiences. And for some people, there is something... Um, cathartic and, you know, this release that they might feel of having this announcement, this, and that might actually tie really closely to their own personal experience of it being kind of this aha moment for them. Yes. Oh, yes. I, now I understand who I am much more fully. And, and so there's, there is this beautiful range of how people experience it. And I think that, Coming back to the book, that's kind of also what the hope it, for planting the seeds of that is what I hope this book is doing for children, that you can have literally any experience of gender, family co- constellations, romantic partnership, other partnership that you want. And there's literally no one way, no set way of doing that. The only limiting factor is yourself in some ways, obviously not to dismiss the many oppressive factors of society, but obviously the first step of freeing yourself from that is for you yourself to imagine outside of it. Yes. Imagine it. I love my, my author friend, Laurel Snyder talks too about how it's imagination that frees us from historical constraints. We often use that word imagination to think of like, flying elephants and dotted, <laughs> you know, tractors or something. Right. But, 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 but by definition of that word, it's, it's, it's picturing things not like they are. And that's how yes. we find solutions. It's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad you use that word. Yeah. And I, it's, it's such a liberatory oh, yes. <laughs> practice and skill. And there's so many amazing uh, black artists and revolutionaries and activists who who talk about that a lot about how the way we can change this world, this really oppressive, these really oppressive systems that we live in, is it requires our imagination. There's no way we can use what we see in front of us to create a better world. I fully agree. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go now into the the photographs used in this specific book. We mentioned mm-hmm. that On the Go is about uh, mobility and disabilities. Um, that hair as well is about um, uh, culture, is about style, is about mm-hmm. um, many, many, many different things. I want to spend our time on families because... I know um, <laughs> this is just like really, we could spend, we did this last time too, that we could spend like three hours talking about all the books, but we only have so much time. Can I just first, of all the photos, of all the photos in this book, uh, and I deeply love that, I believe that this board book might be the first time I have seen a photograph of a pregnant 
trans man. And yeah. I am obsessed with that. But that's not even where I'm trying to go. Because the <laughs> thing that I'm like, do you realize what's going on in this board book? Is that Archa, Archa, you have on, on the same spread two photos, one of two women in bed together laughing uh-huh. with a child, and one uh-huh. of two men or two male presenting individuals yeah. together intimately with child. And I'm just like, there are pictures of same-sex couples in bed together in this yeah. board book. Come on. Thank you. I mean, so much of childhood does take place in bed because that's when we cuddle and we read stories and we, we there's a safety to that space. And yet, of course, there's a taboo to that space, especially for queer people mm-hmm. when those who are not are often um, – trying to limit or um what's the word trying to regulate or legislate mm-hmm. what goes on censor pe- yeah censor what goes on in people's mm-hmm. bedrooms and here in the board book there are photographs mm-hmm. i love it i'm obsessed oh my gosh that's such a i love this perspective i don't think i even thought twice about that and um <laughs> and i love that you see how it's subtly radical that is <laughs> Ooh, um, subtly radical. I'm going to use that line again. <laughs> subtly radical. Well, I guess for us, maybe it might be subtly radical yeah. because like you said, this is such a normal family scene for people who have accepted the beauty of all families, but maybe for some people it's not so subtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, that man clearly has his nose in the other man's ear. What is going on here? <laughs> I know. It's so it's such a so lo- loving, Ugh. cuddling family photos. And I think that, you know, when you bring that up, that really makes me think of, there's this, um, amazing i i don't know their name i wish i did but this amazing youtube vlogger who has this channel called queer kid stuff queer kid stuff i know this yeah, channel yeah yes okay it's so good so for everyone the same, it's the same um, individual who does the activist you podcast oh okay i well yeah you you would know that more than me i'm Sorry. not podcast, podcast I but i <laughs> i want to check that out now because i didn't even know that and i love their queer queer kid stuff channel so um, for those listening, definitely uh, look this up on YouTube. It's it's an educational channel exp- explaining things around gender and sexuality for children. And uh, some language that they had used in one of their videos, which I loved so much, is that, you know, educators often tiptoe, and sometimes even parents, especially, obviously, for um you know, hetero families, they, they will tiptoe around talking about sexuality and being like, oh, maybe my kid's too young and I don't really know if this is appropriate right now. And, and one of the things they said in this channel was that sexuality is not the same thing as sex. Right. And that really came up for me as you were saying this, that like, yeah, there's obviously this is just these photos are just showing families loving up on each other and being so joyful and happy and close with each other. And that is part of childhood. That's part of like a loving, safe, nurturing environment that every child deserves and should see joyfully represented. And I, you know, and then you brought up what some people might conflate that with, which is like, no, this is not what this is about at all. It's literally just about these families and how, a good kind of 
gut check for educators who might feel squirmish around using something like this would be like, if this was a straight couple, would you even, you know, blink an eye? You're, you talk about how straight couples and straight families are structured and what they do together without conflating that with something that might be age inappropriate for children. Um, but then for some reason that becomes conflated when people start talking about same sex couples or gender diverse couples. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunately, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've come around, I think a lot over the couple years, the past couple years of, of considering this about what's going on with people when, when they become uncomfortable about things. And I realized that probably because of so much time spending time around children, when children see something for the first time, oh, let me bring back my fourth graders. This is a great time to talk about fourth graders. Yay, okay. So when children see things for the first time, um, and in this case, I had a, a document camera that was projecting this board book nice and big on a screen so that it was very, very, I, what I, I should have done, I've known you since then. I should have asked you if you just had a digital copy. That would have been even easier. And only now, only now am I realizing that, Archa. But anyway. No worries. We have a lot on our minds in the classroom. So, so I, was I understand. Pro- I was projecting it, but I also read it twice because I knew like, I'm going to read this once so we can hear the flow of the text. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm intentionally, and I've read books twice to them in the past, I'm intentionally going to read this again so that you can have time to look at the photos and ask yourself questions and find those answers in yourself. And if you need clarity mm-hmm. on anything, I'm here, right? So we did mm-hmm. that. We read um, all three of them, but families in particular, um, I, I honed in on for, for those reasons um, mm-hmm. that we're discussing here. And um, to be able to walk through these images and for example have um the two uh female presenting individuals or two male presenting individuals um Mm -hmm. in those beds um on the next page is is uh two uh male presenting children that are wearing Mm -hmm. tutus and have like face makeup on Mm -hmm. we there's sort of these different spots where where you can stop and ask like well, you, you seem to be having a lot of questions about this, but not about this. Why? Mm-hmm. About this, and, mm-hmm. and not not asking the questions for answers either. I don't want you to tell me your answer. I want you to wrestle with that yourself. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about when you see this individual? What do you think about? How do you know on 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 the line that's holding me close as I grow? How do you know that individual is pregnant? What tells you that? Um, how do you know? that that individual is male what 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 is making you make that assumption mm-hmm. being able to have as a child such clarity over how our assumptions are informing how we're interpreting information i think is really critical because as adults we've had 20 30 40 years of every time i've come to that point I've just put it in this box of this is wrong. This is different. This is whatever. And because you've coded it that way for so long, when you're confronted by it, it's, it's like it offends you because you don't, because you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And the only time we've ever been trained that it's like cool to be offended by stuff and not know what to do about it is when you're walking through a museum and you're looking at a piece of art and you don't know how to deal with it. We've never really taken the humanity into that space and been like, what about when you look at people in the world with you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that sharing it with children brings a really uh, brings forth a really beautiful thing, which is what does it take to make other people feel seen and who do we make invisible in the spaces that we are? And that's at the school where I was specifically what we talked about in this school, who do we make invisible? We make um, accessibility invisible or disability invisible because of uh, being an old school that um, didn't have to stay up to code because it was like grandfathered in from ADA, right? It was built Mm -hmm. before then. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need um, elevators until you remodel the building. So for mm-hmm. now, the, sorry, the, the buildings or the campus or the wherever is just not handicap accessible. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So that makes disability invisible on campus or mm-hmm. we don't have a special ed program or we don't have this or we don't have that. There's many, many, many things that when confronted, you realize we all actively choose to make invisible or visible and you are to have done tremendous work in this book to make these families visible and i appreciate thank that you. thank you so much and i honestly all credit back to these families because they are just they're the ones shining in this book and they carry the whole book so i'm so deeply grateful to them but also i want to say when you brought up that um, learning experience you had with your students, that just the first thought that came to mind is, oh my God, educators are so amazing and so brilliant. And wow, like just, I wouldn't, I mean, I am an educator, but my, I haven't been in front of students in a while. So I'm a little rusty in that quick thinking, direct, direct connection. But the fact that you took this book and made it, very deeply relevant to fourth graders. I love that and just reminds me of how how skilled educators are. So thank you for bringing up the amazing ways this book can relate to way past the baby and toddler age because it really can. Well, and really too, I, I'm grateful to be able to serve as a, a model or an example for how we can use all books to engage all children. Mm-hmm. But it took you being so intentional with finding these families or drawing in the families in your community that that combination of 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 that work to be intentional about diversity is something i've talked about on the show before and i'm watching our time i know we're getting close to the end of our time but it's very easy to spot i would say to a trained eye but i would I, I would argue also to an untrained eye. I think kids can also spot mm-hmm. it when mm-hmm. diversity feels um, sort of like, like a checklist in a, in a picture book. And I fully yeah. understand that sometimes that's the artist trying to bring representation where maybe the manuscript didn't feel like it, it brought that there or mm-hmm. when I, I don't, I, there's, there's so many different things I can say to that degree, but I'd rather just say it's, it's obvious when it feels forced and it takes a lot of work to feel natural. And the, I, I think the way 
the way to find how it feels natural is by putting yourself in those spaces where it is natural and where it is welcome. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people care about diversity and want to bring representation onto the page or into the, I don't know, classroom, whether that's through instruction or your class itself. But mm-hmm. folks who don't surround themselves with diversity, I think have a very, very hard time with authentically portraying it. And I don't think anybody has an inability to access diverse communities now that the internet is a thing. (laughs) Sorry, we're all online. (laughs) Um, But, um, but it does take intention to do a a book the way you did it. And when you do it, um, it, it's now a thing that now it's on us to choose to center that book in our classroom or in our bedtime or in our library or wherever or not. That's on us now. I'm so glad that you and the team did this work and that these families were willing um, to be, uh, to have their families displayed in this way. Cause this would have been a very different book if it was illustrated. It's definitely, it, it goes somewhere it goes somewhere real and relevant because it's photographs. Um, it also yeah. goes somewhere real and relevant because it's 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 real families, not like we gathered a bunch of actors <laughs> to stand. Wait, there's that person from that other picture. Now they're over here and they changed their shirt. No, <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, I could go in circles with this. I just want to say one more time, thank you. Um, the the intent and the love you put into this is so ele- uh, is so relevant and elevated, and it's beautiful. And and um, I really look forward to how you will use your voice and your platform to center more families and um, more of our queer community or just more of you in in your stories that you'll be working on. I, I'm grateful that I know you and I'm grateful that I, I get to read the things that you make. I, I feel appreciative for that. Thank you so much, Matthew. And thank you for um, championing this book and my work and for seeing seeing the power in something small but mighty. I appreciate that. Mm, small but mighty. Archa, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes, I want to actually share something that I wrote in the note um, when oh, I submitted this book for the stone wall. So my message is... What we imagine and dream is what shapes our futures. This book is for little me, little you, and for every child out there to dream outside the box. This is Tracy Marchini, author of Princesses Can Fix It, illustrated by Julia Christians. The castle has an alligator problem and the princesses have a solution, but will the king see what they're capable of? Margaret, Harriet, and Lila want to do more than draw, play music, and make jewelry. But the king doesn't think proper princesses should build, invent, or experiment. When the princesses keep falling asleep during the day, the king doesn't believe the reason why. In a secret workshop, the princesses are building a machine that will send the alligators back to the moat. This updated twist on the 12 dancing princesses stars three STEM-loving princesses who don't just think they can save the castle, they know they can. You can learn more about Princesses Can Fix It by visiting www.tracymarchini.com. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. 
You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Potted King Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner, and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.